Come on, what a faithful God. Hey, in a faithful church, it's Super Bowl Sunday and you came out. Are we excited for tonight? I know what some of you are thinking, God, I'm going to seek your kingdom first in the morning. Would you establish Chief's kingdom in the evening? It's the principle of first fruits. Can we welcome anyone watching online, particularly the men of Lansing? Correction facility, we love you, man. Awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, Chiefs by a hundred. Here you go. Grab your seats. Grab your seats. Uh, Graham and I, my son, soon to be nine-year-old, we're talking. Not with the Holy Spirit. God, God gave us the final score. Now, don't gamble on this, but if you do, just remember to honor God with your first fruits. Chiefs 31, Eagles 23. We're holding to a lot of field goals. 23, so let's get our faith together around that. Amen? Just kidding. We good? Hey, we are in what we're calling a Bible year. We're reading through the Bible together as a church, and we're pulling up passages and thoughts and themes, unpacking scripture from our daily Bible reading. And we're in an interesting cross-section of scripture right now. We're in the book of Matthew. It's coming to an end. How many enjoyed the first gospel, gospel of Matthew? Four, five of us. That's great. That's awesome. Because everyone else is enjoying Leviticus. We are also in Leviticus. Sometimes you read it and you just want to Leviticus. And, but Leviticus, Leviticus is like the, the unpacking of the law that God gave to Moses. It's for the Levites, the priests. It's how to bring an offering. It's how to conduct worship and how, how to minister a sacrifice. Uh, today's reading in particular is quite riveting. It's on uh, skin diseases and defiling molds, you know? So you have that to look forward to before the game. Uh, but I love this. Leviticus 11, verse 45, it says, Be holy, God is speaking, because I'm holy. The first part of that passage, he says, Because I rescued you, because you're no longer slaves, you're now free. Because I saved you, I'm redeeming you, and I'm redeeming you by, 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 by you being different. So even all the law, it's just like, this is how we live. This is how we conduct ourselves. This is how we bring worship. This is how we, we honor God. These are, these are the, the lines God has established to live, to live differently. And then we have Matthew. So in, in Leviticus, we have the giving of the law through Moses and then a packing of it. And then in Matthew, we have the giving of the Son. Jesus, the culmination of all. In fact, that's what Romans says. It says that Christ is the culmination of the law. He's the completion of everything so that we now have this righteousness for everyone who believes. So we have this truth that comes to the way that we're called to live. We live differently. And then we have this gift of grace, the gift of Jesus. In fact, it's said about Jesus in John's gospel that, that he shows up on the scene. He is the word or the ways of God that became flesh. It showed us how to do it in real time. And then it says about Jesus that he was full of truth and grace. That those things aren't against each other. They're integrated in the gift of the Son. And Jesus, we talked about last week, but we're going to dig into it a little bit this week. And we're going to start in Matthew 23. And then we're actually going to jump over to Luke chapter 10 today because there's not a better story that exemplifies what I believe God wants to say to our church, what God wants to say to your life than what we see in Luke chapter 10. But Jesus has got some problems with people that are just living in the truth 
and not living with any grace. Those that are living by the law and those that don't have any room for love. We looked at last week and this week that the, the Pharisees are the teachers of religious law. In fact, he says to them, what sorrow awaits. In other words, you think you're doing it right, but in the end you realize you got it wrong because you had all of the law, but you had no love. In fact, Jesus repeats that seven times over. What sorrow awaits, we see it in verse 13 of Matthew 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And you won't go in yourself. And you won't let others enter in either. See, the Pharisees, they were, they were rigid. They were legalistic. They judged everybody uh, against the standards and rules. In fact, they were hypocritical in that. And so we have this intersection, even in our Bible reading right now, of the law and of grace. Grace and truth. And we're called to live different and to be different and to follow God's ways and God's word. But we're called to make a difference, which means that we have to love differently. And you do not have to compromise truth in order to love people with grace. And in the intersection of truth and grace, there is this space that we find in Jesus that is love and action. If you could sum it up in one word, you would see the kindness of God. The Bible says it is the kindness of God that draws people to change, to repentance. That truth is beautiful. We live by the standards of God's holy word. But we live in the grace that has been given us through the gift of the Son, Jesus, who is full of both grace and truth. I want to speak what I believe before we get to Vision Sunday next week to just a cultural message for us as a church that I think will speak to your life. I think it will challenge you deeply today to be the kind of person that doesn't shut doors but opens them. To be the kind of person that knows the truth and we even speak the truth but we do the Bible ways we speak the truth in love. And being people that will make more room in the intersection of grace and truth for more kindness to the world around us. I want to speak today about loving the messy middle. How many got some messy people in your life? Got some, how, do we, how do we love them? How do we love them well? How do we open the door for them to receive the greatest of all gifts, the gift of God's grace in Christ? Can we pray? Would you join me? God, we love you. We invite you in. We know you inhabit the praises of your people. We know that you're inside of us as believers by the Holy Spirit. And we know that you've given, you the, given us the holy word that shows us how to live right, how to love well. And ultimately, it's culminated in Christ. Help us become more like Jesus today, full of grace and full of truth. And Lord, you loved us in the middle of our mess. And you're still loving us through all the messiness of our life. Let us love our city, our neighbors, our own families well. Filled with grace, filled with truth, and filled and fueled with kindness. Lord, establish your kingdom tonight at 530 Central. In Jesus' name, we prophesy Chiefs by 100. Amen. Amen? Amen. Loving the messy middle. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. As believers, we are called to live in the middle. We live in the middle that we believe that this message that's been given to us, that's been passed down to us, that the scripture helps us live set apart. 
And we live set apart, not to be apart from the world, but to actually minister God's grace to the world that needs it the most. Liz and I uh, accepted an invitation just this week to be around other pastors, uh, other spiritual leaders, and, and really Christian thought leaders. And we had all these conversations from experts about how to engage with culture without diluting God's word and God's truth. How do we love a messy world with the message that matters the most? And it was interesting because they didn't allow, no social media. It was super top secret. Felt like a Christian Illuminati type of thing was going on. But what we were learning and understanding, we're adding to the conversation, was that this is difficult sometimes. It is difficult in this day and age where no one wants to say that there's any real truth because a lot of people don't believe that there's even a God and that we have this church, this mission, this movement of Jesus to live out, not just for those in the room, but ultimately for what God's heartbeat is for, which is for all of humanity. So how do we stay with integrity on Scripture, if you will, solid on God's Word, and then soft in relationships with understanding that there is a doorway. The doorway is Jesus, the gift of God's grace. How do we live in a way and love in a way and serve in a way that we open wide the doors for people to experience the greatest gift of all, the grace that's been made available to you through the life of Jesus? And the, the thing we kept coming back around to, and God's been speaking to me, even for our church, which I feel like we are a very welcoming church. I think we're a very warm church. I think we're a very engaging church. We're a very sacrificial and servant-hearted church. But there is more room for us to minister to the people in all the mess that's all around us. And there's room for us to grow in the spirit of kindness. Because it was God's kindness that brought us this far and it's the goodness and kindness of God that will take us into everything God wants to do in our church and in Kansas City. And friends, we do have a kingdom to build and we have a city to reach. There are people in your life that need you to be a door opener. And the way we open the door is not with the rigidity of religion, but it's in the beauty of relationship. And it's at the intersection of grace and truth. Colossians chapter three says, as God's chosen people, holy, and dearly loved, you got to clothe yourself. We're clothed in this gift of righteousness that covers our sins. That's the gift that's been given to us. None of us could afford that garment. Jesus paid for it. But we actually clothe ourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those aren't all the words that I think people would use to describe me. I, I think I got some room to grow. The spirit of, of kindness. God wants to establish in his church without the dilution of truth. Philippians chapter four says, your kindness should be known to all. The way that we love and serve matters for something bigger than just the here and now. So what does this look like? Ultimately, it looks like Jesus. And so when we read through the Gospels, we see that this is what truth and grace personified looks like. This is why Jesus can debate with the, the greatest philosopher or theologian of the day, and Jesus can care for the hurting person in their plight, in their addiction, and in their mistake. In fact, Jesus was asked in Luke chapter 10, what does this look like? 
What does it really mean to get it right where it matters the most? In fact, a religious leader, a teacher of the law, asked him that question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get it right where it matters the most? And Jesus says, well, what does the law of Moses say? What does the law say? What does it say in Leviticus? What does it say in Deuteronomy? What does it say in, in Numbers? And he says, it says that I gotta love God with all that I've got. I need to put him first with all that I have. I gotta love him with my heart, with my soul, with my mind, with my strength, and I'm gonna have to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, you got it right. Just do those things. That's gonna take the rest of your life. And then he fires back, well, well then who exactly is my neighbor? In other words, what are the boundary lines look like of the people I'm called to love? Is it the people on my block? Is it the people in my church? Is it the people that vote like me, that look like me, that act like me? What, who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus, he tells a story. We all know this story, even if you didn't grow up in church. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus brings three people along on this journey to, to, to discover a guy that's been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. And, and he, one by one, he says, this could be your action, this could be your interaction, or you could do it this way. There's a priest, there's a Levite, and there's a Samaritan. And of course, like only Jesus would do, he takes the one that would be the absolute enemy and makes him the hero. The Samaritan in that time, first century Judaism, they were absolutely the worst. They hated them more than the Roman oppressors because they saw them as people that had deluded it, people that were uh, in hypocrisy in the way that they worshiped God. And Jesus makes him the hero. In fact, we see there's three ways that we can interact with the hurting world. Luke chapter 10, verse 30, all tracking with me? There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When robbers attacked him, they stripped him, they beat him, and they left him half dead. It so happened that a priest was going down the road, but when he saw the man, he walked by on the other side. And a mentality that you could have, we could have, we might have had in our life, is that we could stay distant because we're distracted. Now what you don't know is this priest, and we read about it in Leviticus, is that because if he would touch this man in his hurt and his harm, he'd have to go through a whole nother process of cleansing. In other words, he couldn't get his job done that he was on his way to do if he stopped for this moment of delay. And so he went on his way. Maybe this describes you, is that you got things to do and things to accomplish and you cannot be bothered with other people's brokenness. And friend, I do believe God wants you to achieve. I do believe God wants to grow your career, your business, your family, your future, and you've got things on your checklist that need to get checked off, but you don't wanna miss the opportunity. And that, none of us, I think, would say that we'd be the kind of person that would see someone in this kind of state and then step to the side and keep on stepping on our agenda. I think all of us would desire that we wanna be that people. But the truth is we could stay so busy with all the things we've got going on that we make no room to actually bless and to help hurting people. I mean, I, I think about this day and age we live in. Like, you can pretty much work from home. You can pull up in your garage and shut the door with just a push of a button. You can get all your groceries delivered right up on your cell phone. I mean, the Turners be doing some Instacart from time to time. Like, it's time with the kids. If I take my kids to the grocery store, we're gonna buy a whole bunch of stuff that we don't want. So it's just easier. You can live your whole life in the convenience and comfort of the bubble of your own creating. In fact, we see that now in this day and age more than ever. 
So the first one gets it wrong because he steps to the side, he is distracted, he does not want to be delayed. And the second one comes along in the same way a Levite also came and went over and looked at the man. He engaged with looking at the problem, but then walked by on the other side. And I think this one speaks to where most of us are at, that we are interested, but not willing to be invested. How could we even help the situation? I see the problem in, in my city. I see the problem in my neighborhood. I see the problem that people that are around me are having, but honestly, I don't know how I could ever bring solution. This is too much for me to handle. But when we live our life with that mentality where we see the mess but we don't minister, we miss the greatest miracles of all. In the back of your Bible, you'll see all these maps that are on there. It shows you Paul's missionary journeys. It shows you the Exodus story out of Egypt into the promised land. And one of the ones you'll see in your Bible is it's this journey of Jesus. It's where Jesus went, where he walked. But do you know that most of the miracles that we read were not about Jesus' steps, but Jesus' stops? that most of the greatest things that God does is not through where Jesus was headed, but what happened to him on the way to his destination. The destiny-defining moments occurred. Miracles occurred in the messiness of the stops, not in his steps or his agenda. So if you never allow a divine interruption to slow down your plans for a moment, you might miss the greatest miracles that God wants to do in the ministry of your life. Luke chapter 10, verse 33, but a Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon the man. And when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. He had a heart that cares. I think all of us have a heart that cares, but what we see with the good Samaritan is he also has a, a hand that helps. What's his engagement look like? He's empathetic and he's engaging. He's not fully equipped to handle the full case of this man's healing but he's willing to do with that which he has what he can do in the moment. It is a heart that cares and a hand that helps. And if your hand never helps, it's because your heart probably doesn't fully care. And I don't say that to challenge you and put you down. I encourage you to, to rise on up to the opportunity that I believe is revival all around us because we are living in the most divisive, filled with animosity, the most loud voices trying to pull us apart. We are being more separated than ever before as believers and as, as Americans, as just people and humanity on the planet. This is where the enemy has sowed so much discord and distrust and anger. This is where God is always ready on the front foot to bring deliverance, healing, and restoration. And he doesn't do it through the pulpit. He does it out there in the pauses and the problems that people have that are all around you. Next week, as we talk about vision of where we're headed, we will not get there unless we have a heart that cares for humanity. We will not get to kingdom come and all that God wants to do if we're not willing to come to the moment where our heart and our hand both interact in the help that God is wanting us to bring to the world around us. The golden rule in Matthew 7, always treat others as you would like them to treat you. And if you live by the golden rule of friend, your life's going to be golden. It doesn't mean there won't be problems, there won't be hiccups, there won't be heartache in it, but you will actually have the help of heaven when you live your life to help and serve other people. There are benefits to loving boldly. The Bible says if you're unkind, your life will be unproductive. 
it will be barren. Galatians 6, I love this translation. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, will harvest a crop of weeds. And he'll have to show for his life is what? Weeds. In other words, there is no fruit when all you focus on is self. But when you have, and I, you, can, you can make your plans, and you can have your steps, and you can have your life in order, but you just have to have room in your heart for the messiness in the middle. Oh, if God could grab a hold of a couple of our hearts, that on our road to getting all the things that we want to get done, we're not so focused on the end destination that we don't miss the destiny-defining moments of the miracles that happen when we minister to people, even in their mess. This is where we see truth and grace intersected, intertwined. It's in our daily lives. It's the intersection of people's pain and your purpose. And the solution isn't that you have to have all the answers. The solution is that you would have kindness. That you would be willing to open doors to people, not shutting them. We say here at Kingdom City that people are the promised land. We've got a new south building to build out. We've got all sorts of great endeavors through the youth ministry of our church, youth revival, through the House of Hope. But everything we do is to minister to people, to reach people, to love people, and to build people, we say, that bring heaven to earth. And when you live your life built on the word of God, truly looking through the life through the lens of the ministry of Jesus, your mentality begins to change, and you begin to get this missional mindset that my life is not just about the agendas of things I need to accomplish today, but there is a movement of heaven that's gonna happen through my life as I live my life to help people that are around me. The missional mindset, what does it look like? It looks like having eyes open to see people in their struggle. And we all see this. We see it all the time. Luke 10, it says the Samaritan saw the man's condition. And this translation says his heart, his heart went out to him. 1 Corinthians 10, it says, look out. Look out, be on the out, look out, not for what you can gain for yourself or what doors others can open for you. No, look out for the good of others. So we're not just seeing problems, though, because that's half the problem, is to have awareness of the issues. In fact, probably some of the people you have the greatest problems with in life is because they have a deep-seated problem in their heart. And you begin to perceive differently and not just see that they have a problem or they have a pain, but a mission mindset is that you would start to help them heal from their pain. And the way you help heal from their pain isn't that you can bring solution to everything because you cannot. I don't think your life mission and calling is to, is to wander the streets with peanut butter sandwiches for people because they might have an allergy. Anyways, <laughs> if God calls you to do that, we do those things as a church. That's beautiful and wonderful. God wants you to grow your family, and God wants you to grow your marriage, and God wants you to grow in your career. But then we just have a heart that is open, not just to see struggle, but to actually bring our hands to help bring healing. His heart was filled with compassion. And if you're a person that struggles with sympathy for others, you are not alone. I think every one of us, we have a limit that we're willing to tolerate other people's struggle and issues. You might say it's my personality. Your personality is the person's like, hey, you know what, I didn't come from anything, and I've had to accomplish this, and they can figure it out. You might be a person with someone you see that's got an addiction, and you might be like, ah, that's their own issue, that's their own hang up. But the truth is, we don't normally know what the real story is, we only see their current struggle. And if you wanna grow in sympathy for other people, two words, listen more. 
Talk less, listen more. Because I think all of us have a knee-jerk reaction when we see people. It's like, well, that's what they get for whatever they've done or the decisions that they've made. But that's not the way that Jesus would see it. Because through the, we're, who are we apart from the grace of God anyway? In fact, all of us are probably a couple bad mistakes for being just as broken in that specific place as that person is as well. Apart from the grace of God, we would be in the same gutter. And I'm not just speaking about down and out people on the street, because there are people in your classroom and people in the boardroom who are just as broken as anybody else. And so we start to listen more, and we live in a world where everyone wants to have an argument, but no one wants to actually bring help and healing. And so instead of reloading, if you will, with the next bullet you want to fire in your bullet points of your argument, and by the way, the faith does not need your defending. Jesus can handle it himself. What the faith needs is a frontline believer that is willing to love even sacrificially and open doors for others. And so instead of firing back, you leave the chamber empty and your ears open. And you actually begin to hear what the hurt really is. When we talk less and we, we listen more. You probably have said this before with someone that did you wrong or Maybe someone that cuts you off in traffic or someone just, they have a bad day and they're taking it out on you. And you're like, what's their problem? You ever do that one? What, what's their problem? Instead of, same question, but different mentality. What's their problem? I wonder what the underlying issue is. Instead of what's the deal with them, it's I wonder what happened to them. I can honestly say from the people in my life, that it maybe caused the most hurt or heartache. If I really look back at their story, it does not justify actions and behaviors. By the way, friend, just because you might have had a tough upbringing or a bad day does not get you uh, any less like grace or more grace to treat people just the way you have in your mentality, your attitude in the moment. But if you could look back, you would see that there was once a deep wound in their life that never got dealt with. And when we learn to listen more and love people well, we won't bring all the solution, but we might just open a door. And then the kindness of God that draws people to repentance, that draws people to change, that door might just be opened by the way that you respond, not how they deserve from you, but better than they deserve because you love them in the moment anyway, even in the middle of their mess. And God would begin to open doors of restoration and healing and redemption when we have hearts to perceive instead of what's the deal with them. It's like, I wonder what the deal is with them. There's a whole kind of anti-church, anti-Christ movement going on louder than ever in our nation. Instead of firing back at them, realize that they probably were hurt in some season of their life. They probably jumped into a lot of the group think that believers are what's everything wrong with the world. Well, we know we've got everything right that will solve the world, and it's not in our own power. It's the gift of God's grace. And so when we get out of argumentative mindset, we have this mentality to listen and to perceive what the heart issue is. And this, my friend, is the greatest gap and opportunity I believe that's ever existed in the history of Christendom is this opportunity to love well and to serve well and open a greater door for the revival that is about ready to happen in the world because people are worn out, people are frustrated, and people are in fear. And we have the solution in the truth of God's word, but they will never get a chance to hear it if we don't engage with their heart. Galatians 6, we share with each other's troubles and problems. 
And this way we obey the greatest call on our life, the law of Christ. We, sh we share, this is spoken to the church, that the place where we should share and care the most is in this house. And some of you, you come every single week because you like the preaching or like the worship or it's a box to check in your religious duty, but you've never connected into this community. And by the way, we've all got hangups and we've all got issues, but you'll never get healing and restoration in your heart until you belong to the family. I want to encourage you to quit being a spectator and start finding a spot in a group and in a place of serving and in a place of engaging because you'll see God will actually heal all the things that keep you at arm's distance where you stiff arm the community and the opportunity of restoration because of past pain and past problems. If you haven't got connected in church, you're missing the beauty. It's a whole lot better than the preaching on this platform is what God does in your life and does in your heart with right people around you. If we're gonna love people in the messy middle with a mission, missional mindset, we cannot wait for the perfect moment because the perfect moment will never arrive. And Luke 10, the Samaritan, verse 34, goes to him and does what he can do in the moment. He doesn't have all the solution, but he bandages his wounds and pours oil and wine on them. And the Bible says in Proverbs 3, to never walk away from someone who deserves your help. What if they don't deserve it? Give them your help anyway. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow when you can help right now. Right now. The Bible says whenever we have the opportunity, Galatians 6, to help anyone, do it. I mean, that's all you need to know right there. And it says start with those closest to you in the family of faith. And this is why we've got to love each other well. Serve each other well. This is why we also speak the truth and love to each other because you might have some hangups in your heart that are gonna hurt you in the long haul. This is the beauty of community is that when we love each other well, we begin to be the city on a hill, salt and light to a world that is looking for direction and working for life to have God flavor. And this is what we can bring into the equation that no one else can. It's the beauty of God's church. It's the body of Christ. And the world will see that there's something different about the way that we love each other. We love people that don't look like us and people that didn't vote like us and people that didn't grow up like us. And when we do that well, it becomes a beacon of grace to a world that is looking for direction. Be willing in your missional mindset to pay the cost of caring. And there is a cost. There is time, there is attention, there are delays and there are resource. All of these things have a cost. We saw that the first two, the priest and the Levite, were not willing to pay the time. And even this, the Samaritan, he had something to give, but he couldn't do everything. In fact, this is what it says in, in verse 34. He put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn. There was a delay of his time and his attention. And then he took care of him. The next day, he gave the innkeeper some silver and told him to take care of the man. He says, hey, if the bill runs higher than that, be a good spot to take a shot at, at the medical system, but I'm not going to do that. If that Advil costs $368, no, he says, I'll come back and pay the difference later the next time I am here. I love this thought. I'm willing to go into the red to love people that need help. I'm willing to pay a price of my time, my attention, and my resource. I love that I'm speaking to a church that is already paying the price. You might not know it. Through the House of Hope, you're already invested in this city to the sum of tens of thousands of dollars. 
In fact, every single month, you are caring for people that society does not care for. The Bible says when you lend to the poor, you are actually giving to God. Proverbs 19, be kind to people in need is like lending to the Lord, and he will repay you for the kindness you have shown. You are already, if you're a contributor and a part of this family of faith, you are already part of something that is bigger than you. The House of Hope last year ministered to 6,300 individuals that needed help the most. 1,300 families got groceries and supplies because you're willing to give time, attention, and resource. And there's more for us to do. There are things we have to say no to or not yet on all of the time because of resource. And I'm not just saying your money, I'm saying your time, your attention, your care, your comfort is a part of your calling and every one of us has a part to play. If we're gonna love this city well and we're gonna represent Jesus well, it requires an investment of our life. And Jesus asked the, the teacher of the law, which one was the real neighbor, the true neighbor? He says it was the one that showed him kindness. And Jesus replied, you're right. Now go and do the same. If you want the door opened on destiny, show kindness and be a door opener to other people. It was the one that was the real neighbor, was the one that showed kindness. And it looks differently for every single one of us. But this is why you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can show you and prompt you that you're not trying to go around and meet every single need and every single moment and every single thing is your personal ministry. No, but just the people that you interact with, starting with those that are closest to you, that you would just have a heart that is open to actually heal, hear the hurt and bring healing to that place, to bring hope, to bring help, to bring the part to play that you can play in the moment and then give that to God. Only God can truly raise the dead and only God can truly save a heart and a life and only God can truly redeem a broken situation. He has just chosen to use you and I to be the door openers, not the people that close the door. And when we live our life in this way, we will see miracles happen in moments that feel like they slowed us down, but it was when God wanted to show up in the most powerful way. Because God blesses not the steps of our life, it's the stops of our life that God does the greatest work through. So what will it look like for us to do the same? I think about, if you will, like our church is moving forward every Sunday in and Sunday out and every group that gathers and every time we serve. Like we're going down this road that God has for us. And you know, in your car, you have your rims that are moving. Some of you have larger rims than others. God bless you. But between the rim and the road, if you will, between the movement of your car and the real world is where the rubber meets the road. That's the tire. Now you can keep going without a tire and you're not gonna be able to turn. In fact, you're gonna be more like a real road. You're just gonna go one way. But it's in that malleable place where like our mission and ministry and movement meets the ground. The rubber itself is malleable. There's some give to it. It can take the shocks and it can turn things on a dime. And this is the way we have to think. There's a mission and there's a day coming where Jesus is coming back and we'll see who's in the doorway and who is not. This is why we are rigid when it comes to the truth of God's word, that everyone needs a savior and his name is Jesus. 
And then as we're on this mission of Jesus and we're getting momentum and making movement and taking new ground for us as a church with the South location and new opportunity, we're headed in a direction. But we also have to keep this space. And it's a space that is malleable in the moment and it's soft where it matters the most. Although we are theologically sound and strong in knowing that this is the way to live your life and this is the truth of God's word, we wanna be relationally connected. And God is looking for a church that isn't slamming doors, that also isn't one that says, hey, anyone and everyone can come on in. You don't have to believe anything. We don't believe that. We believe that there is a savior, his name is Jesus, and we get the beauty and the humility of representing that Jesus to a world that needs it. And the way that we engage, there's a space and softness there. Although we are theologically sound, we are relationally soft. To love a city and to love a people and to love your neighbor right where they're at, but to love them enough to not leave them there. We believe that our good actions and good deeds as a church develop goodwill and the goodwill is all for the good news. There's a thousand things you could serve at and a thousand things you could give to. There's probably 10,000 in our city, but everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus. Whether it's taking care of someone through groceries or through the everything beautiful boutique, giving women an experience they cannot afford or ever get in their own life. We give that to them as a church, whether it's through the mission of our youth ministry, youth revival, connecting with kids and bringing them. Everything we do in active service is all in the name of Jesus because we know that is the doorway of destiny that matters the most. And so we live on mission and we stay malleable and we stay soft and we have eyes open ears to hear and hearts and hands to engage because together what this looks like for us if every one of us would catch a hold of this vision we would see revival like never before because this is the perfect time in all of humanity for us to love people in their hiddenness in their isolation and in their brokenness next week we're getting on the mission together but if we don't have a motive that is care and kindness we will miss the greatest revival opportunity of our generation. Revival is in the air for this world, for our city, for your life, for your neighborhood. And God might need to soften your heart in order for you to extend your hand again. And when we do that together as a church, we will see thousands of lives forever changed. Do you believe that? Would you stand to your feet? I wanna pray for you. First and foremost, we're gonna have a prayer to get your heart right with Jesus. But before that, I actually wanna pray that you would not, this prayer right now is not a blessing prayer. It's a, the blessing of a burden, that you would carry a weight, a weight that your life matters for something so much more significant than your own agenda. And God wants to bless your life, but he wants you to make a difference with your life. And I wanna pray that just a holy, the glory of God, the weight of God would fall in your heart again, that you would realize that you're not the answer for people's problems, but you have the answer. And you are that bridge that brings solution between heaven and earth. Father God, I thank you for our church. For 12 years, we've been serving, we've been sowing, we've been sacrificing, we've been inviting, we've been loving, and there's more for us. More people have joined the mission more people are with us than ever before. And Lord, we thank you that we would carry the weight of the opportunity, not just to get our steps into where we're called to go, but be willing to have the stops of inconvenience. 
God, I thank you that we would never close the door. We would swing as many wide as possible. Help us love our city, our neighbors, the people around us like never before. And God, I thank you a holy boldness would rise up, not to shrink back in insecurity, but to step in with humility. And through kindness, God, you would draw tens of thousands to repentance through our everyday life and living for the mission of Jesus. Lord, help us be the kind of people where truth and grace intersect. They would see Jesus through our life and Jesus through the way that we would love. And it's all in his name we pray. Stay in this moment of prayer. It says in Ephesians 2, God saved you. God saved you through faith. It's an act of his kindness. But you had nothing to do with it, but receive it by faith. It is a gift from God. And if God isn't first in your life, your life is out of order. In just a few moments, we're gonna pray a prayer. It's one big family of faith, but it's a prayer, it's a prayer of repentance and a prayer of acceptance. You're gonna accept this great gift of God's grace, and you're gonna say, God, I give you my yesterday, and I wanna walk into the future you have for me. If you've never prayed this prayer as a, as a grown person, as an adult, if you maybe prayed this prayer before, but you've gone your own way, it's time to put him first in your life. You need to receive that kindness because God cares about you. And there's gonna be a change in your life and it starts with this moment of faith to receive the greatest gift of all. If that's you with no one looking around, bow your heads and close your eyes. Give sanctuary a person next to you. Maybe that's you online. But if that's you and you need a fresh start with Jesus or for the very first time, begin a relationship with him. We're gonna pray this prayer all together, but this is your own individual decision. I'm gonna ask one act of humility from you. If you would have the humility to raise your hands and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. I need a fresh start with Jesus. I wanna begin a new relationship with him. Can you raise your hand around this room? I just wanna spot you, I see one hand up. Anyone else wanna join in a new beginning? It's beautiful. Awesome, we'll pray this prayer. Maybe this person online. Would you say this with me all together? Come on, church family, we can actually lift up our heads and open our eyes. Say this with me, say, thank you, God, for loving me. I was far from you. And you sent Jesus. He bridged the gap between your perfection and my brokenness. There was sin in my way, but Jesus has paid for it. On his cross, my sin is defeated. My past is behind me, my future in front of me. Jesus, I'm going after you. You're the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am forgiven, I am restored, I'm being redeemed in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate? Anybody pray that prayer? Awesome. Praise God. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but that mattered to you. Or listen, you prayed it before, but you've never got momentum in your life. That first step is a step Jesus took towards you to reach you, to pull you up out of the grave, put you on the foundation we call salvation. It's a free gift. The next move that you make, though, actually produces momentum in your life. On your way out, if that was you, we'd love to connect. We have a Bible for you. We have a devotional for you. But most importantly, we want to make a relationship connection with you. Because it's the people that you do life with on mission for Jesus that add the most momentum to your life. So make that decision today. You guys get anything out of church today? Are you ready for Vision Sunday next week? Got some beautiful things God's gonna do in our church. And he doesn't do it from the platform, he does it from all of us participating. Amen?
Let me pray for you as we go. Father God, I thank you for every heart, for every life. Going in your ways. Help us get out of our own way and love people all around us. Lord, this week, let us know that our lives matter in ministry of kindness and care for the world around us. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in our church. We pray a Holy Spirit momentum that moves us forward to everything you prepared for us. From glory to glory and from strength to strength, from faith to faith, you're building your church. You're building us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night. And let's go Chiefs. <laughs>